Hey everyone. So I met Andrew at an event that was hosted by Pragmatic Thinking and it was all about culture, coaching and leadership. All the topics that both Andrew and I are really passionate about and I was really intrigued by Andrew's story because he was a business owner for 19 years and he's just recently stepped out of this position to explore what else is out there. He shares his story in a really raw and authentic way. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Let me know what you think. I was really fascinated by was how you created a business and ran a business for 19 years. Yeah. That's sure. that's what I learned from you and I was just really captivated and intrigued. So Yeah. Um Okay. That's a starting point and yeah. I'm keen to hear from you just about Andrew Gemmel. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, well, where will I start? Uh, you want to start right at the start? or We can start, let's, let's start at when you started that company. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I used to work at Robert Walters. Mm-hmm. Most people know them. And they were really quite young in Australia. There was only six people mm-hmm. when um, I joined and there's a few of us joined. And then, so over the three years, I got initiated into recruitment. And like a lot of people, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, yeah, we're growing. Do you want to check out recruitment? Yeah, why not? I nearly gave up after a year. Yeah. Um, Is this just like right after school, like a job right after no, school? No, no, I'd done, I'd done a degree, went to uni. Yeah. Um, worked at MLC, travelled overseas, worked in London. So I was about, well, I think I was about 26. Okay. When I joined there. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so I started there and it just wasn't really sitting well with me after about 10 months. I don't know if it was just my value system or I was really green and mm. just learning the ropes. And then um, just clicked one day. I just got it. I just went, okay, this is how you do it. And so I had a great time there, great company to work for. And what do you mean it wasn't sitting well with you at that time? Because uh, it, was, it was developing the business side of things, which a lot of people struggle with mm-hmm. in recruitment particularly, and I think just generally as well. Um, sales is, is tough. And because we were brand new, we were new to the market, so it involved a lot of that. Yeah. Um, so as, just the learning part. The learning part, yeah. Mm-hmm. But as it turned out, I think... Um, it actually wasn't the sales part. It was how I was going about sales. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of flipped it around. Mm-hmm. And um, I sort of started to click, had a great time, and built a great relationship with lots of people, um, clients, candidates, but equally two guys that I work with. And we got talking over a beer one day, and the rest is history, like a lot of recruitment st- companies mm-hmm. start, really. But back in those days, it was so. This was 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so different now. There's so many, so many companies out there. So you you'd really want to know your space. Yeah. Um, so when you say yeah. it was you, Charlie guys, and the rest is history, kind of thing. Obviously, a lot happened. Yeah, to a lot of, the rest is history in terms of how we started. So. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, talk so to us about how. Because it's been running, it's still it's we're still here going. now. We're sitting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk to us about how was it like your relationships that helped you with yep. the people that you'd built it up with. At, yep. You, yeah. Talk to us about how that kind of sure. kicked off. Well, it definitely was that big part of that, um, and that's actually was a bit of a turning point when I was at Walters. Is the relationship piece, mm-hmm. um, and 
Um, so we had really, we complemented each other quite well across different parts of the bank. We were a banking finance recruitment firm. Mm-hmm. And um, so that came together. We were different people. So that sort of came together as well. Had mm-hmm. our own strengths and weaknesses. Um, and we all got along well. Mm-hmm. So we're all on the same page. And we all had the same sense of humour. It was definitely mm-hmm. Was one of our values is fun, so don't yeah. take yourself too seriously. Love that, yeah. Yeah, and um, and that would literally mean when someone would ask us about it, we we're interviewing. Them, um, we would literally say, if you if you're going to take yourself too seriously in here inside the organisation, it's probably not going to work. Yeah. Because our life's too short, and we're all having fun doing this, and yeah. Uh, you know, we, we all respect each other, definitely, um, but we're all going to have fun together. Yeah, I can't so, imagine too many people turning down an opportunity to have fun. No, 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 no. <laughs> so uh, but it, it, recruitment can be very ego-driven, though. Mm-hmm. And we, we've met some enormous egos, people we said no to, and oh, they might have said no to us as well, but um, I've had recruiters walk out of our office and mm-hmm. um, there's no chance. It's mm-hmm. not going to work. So, um, so we got together. And we had the relationships and all those other things. And within a year, we were back on Commonwealth Bank's PSA, which we're still on to this mm-hmm. day. Um, the company still is. So we were on that for 18 to 19 years. How did you land that? Uh, relationships. Okay. Yeah. Just, wow. Um, just, That's a huge client to have as one of your first clients. Yeah, and, and still major client. Yeah. But um, it was all about, for us, it's about adding value. Mm-hmm. Um, and being real. Mm-hmm. It's not adding value and you know, being transactional about it. It was really getting to understand the, the personalities, the challenges, the, oh, right to the point when the, those relationships got stronger and stronger about their families and what's mm-hmm. important to them, what's not. And eventually you started talking to your own clients about their career yeah. and, and, and what's, what's going on in their own organisation. Um, just became a bit of a sounding board. Yeah, and you had fun with them as well. So that's um, that's where it got to. Yeah, and so we we took that attitude, I guess. Mm-hmm. That was just normal for us to do that, and it didn't align with everyone. Some people just want a service, get in, get out. Thanks yeah. very much. We would do that, but they weren't long-lasting mm-hmm. relationships or clients, and it just grew over time. And um, when you reflect back now to your younger years Mm -hmm. before you even started your career what were you the same in terms of wanting to get to know people on a deeper level you know what what were you like growing up as a kid well that's (laughs) that's really going to test me out and the reason I ask that question is because I often find that when people reflect and think about how Mm -hmm. they were Mm. Um, a lot of the times their core values, how they are, their yeah. interests end up being what they have fallen into that they love. Yeah, sure, sure. So um, I've, I've always found it hard to pinpoint what I want to do with my life when I grow up. Mm. Um, but I do know, <clears throat> excuse me, it's around people. It's definitely built around that. I think, to answer your question, my mother and father were really social um, and dad was a consultant but he was also a farmer so I'm off the Mm. land and he consulted in irrigation and how best to build irrigation systems for farmers and then he'd also go back to our property and he'd farm that like everyone else 
And I think it's the consulting side that I took from him mm. uh, rather than the farming side, which my brother definitely took. Yeah. And I think my eldest brother took the consulting piece of that as well. Mm. So when you reflect back on it and you see like where you've come to, um, that's something I do think back on. And he, he was really strongly customer-centric. Mm. It was all about the customer and whatever it took. Yeah. Um, so he was developing 300 acres at a time of land, and that land was going to be used to grow, you know, crops, cotton, um, summer crops, uh, whatever it might be. And there's time deadlines and, and so mm. forth. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah. You have multiple sites running at one time. Um, and he would be all about the customer. He'd just work through it. So he'd be getting home at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Going to work at six. Um, and that's yeah. probably where you saw, where you got your work ethic from, seeing your dad uh, do that. Yeah, I, I did. Um, but he, and we'll probably come into it a bit more, but I yeah. struggled a bit with parts of recruitment. And that's one of the reasons I've left. Yeah, okay. And it's, and it's um, it affected my work ethic, for sure. But overall, yeah, if I'm engaged and I really... Um, and getting a lot out of it personally and um, I like where it's all going. Yeah, work ethic's important mm. for sure. So but, then yeah. what, what happened? Let's talk about that. What happened? Where uh, things changed? Well, I'll tell you. Well, I guess the rest of the journey I'll keep it short. So mm-hmm. we grew from three people, hired one person each six. Um, by 2005 in Sydney, we were 23. In Melbourne, we were um, 12. And um, so we're up to 37 people. In I, what period of time? Five years. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. So, and then um, we decided that we were going to open Singapore. Um, so that was another you know, on the horizon challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but in between 2005, 2007, when I was managing Sydney, mm-hmm. um, that's when it started to change for me, which is only five years into a 19-year journey. Yeah, wow. And... I'd gone from being a manager of four people at Robert Walters to 23 people in a business which All was... All directly reporting to you? Well, yeah, more or yeah. less it were. Yeah. And that it's was... a lot, yeah. Well, we did have some structure to it, mm. but in hindsight, one of the biggest... Not a mistake, one of the probably the biggest downfalls was not developing more leadership yeah. in the business. Um, and that took its toll on me, for sure. Burnout was very real. So you've got lots of big egos. You've got people who are doing their best, but you, just, you know it's probably not in their value set, system to actually make a go of it mm. properly. They should be doing something else, which is more aligned. Yeah. Um, so you're dealing with all of that. You're dealing with structure, trying to put in structure, processes. Um, and 2005 to seven, everyone's flying. It's the world's you know, going gangbusters. Mm. And so there's a lot of opportunity and what, how do you make the best of that? And so you didn't really have time to stop. Mm. And, and to think about yeah. all those, yeah, like leadership mm. coaching and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. It was yeah. really hard. So uh, very hard. So I had a um, chat with Brendan who wanted to come back from Melbourne mm-hmm. and it was probably a great opportunity for him to have a go at that role anyway. And we decided that I'd go to Singapore, mm-hmm. um, which I did. 
moved. My Brendan's your part, one of Brendan's the partners. Brendan's my business yep. partner. Yeah, and he's still the existing owner. Yeah. So went to Singapore with the family, which was exciting. It was good. Yeah. Um, new new culture, wow. though, though it's the 101 entry level for Asia, to be honest. Yeah, pretty, yeah. Pretty everyone speaks English. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, so when I got there, I had underestimated just how low my energy was. And I, in hindsight, I would have actually taken six six months out, mm-hmm. just full rest and gone, right, let's, now let's do it. But because mm-hmm. everything was moving so quickly back then and um, businesses were growing and um, we just kept going. Mm, it yeah. almost felt too good to, to pause and have a break because yeah. everything was yeah, going really well. Yeah, yeah. So I um, so got to Singapore and we, we grew to six people within about 18 months. Um, it was going. It was going well. Yeah, um, it was starting to get crowded because more people are coming in, more players are coming more people, in. More people, yeah. Um, and also, internal recruitment was actually really starting to take off in Singapore, mm-hmm. which I hadn't experienced as much in Sydney when we left. So that was a, quite interesting. And but I, I struggled from the energy point of view, and and the hangover of that mm-hmm. lasted for a while. Um, but really good with the people internally and great with clients still and and would go out and um, develop business with them and and get to know them and understand what what do they really need but just that energy level was struggling and at the Mm -hmm. time you you felt low in energy right like you knew Mm -hmm. but did you know that it was from being burnt out or did you just think you're just tired like you haven't slept enough or you know I thought I would be fine going from 23 to myself originally and six. Mm. Um, I thought that would be like a walk in the park, so to speak. Um, But I I, I sort of discounted what had happened here. Yeah. I think it was changed, but there's definitely a hangover from it. And, uh, yeah, as I said, in hindsight, and I recommend to anyone else, if you ever do that move, I would just clean the slate, take some time out and... Yeah. You know, get some space upstairs and yeah, yeah start again. Yeah. And Have you done anything recently to do that, to just reset and relax and um a, a little, um, but probably not enough, to be honest. Because mm. um, I'm always thinking in the future and what am I gonna do and yeah. so you've gotta be disciplined, I think, and just take your, your time out. So I've started meditating. Yeah. Recently. And it's cool. I like it. Yeah. What see, kind of meditation is it? Like a 10 minute sit down, breathing ten, or... 10 minutes yeah. with calm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they sort of do it all for you, which is good. And yeah. you just tune out. You just listen. Yeah. You just listen. Um, I, I wouldn't say I was sceptical of meditation, but I just didn't practice it. Yeah. And since I've done it, it's good. Yeah. yeah I feel better. Like I feel energised from it. Yeah. You, you, you finish a session, you go, wow, my head's... Yes, cleaned up to an extent and I'm ready to go. Yeah. So I don't quite know how it all works, but it does work. Yeah, it definitely (laughs) does work, definitely. And so you spent that time in Singapore. Mm -hmm. Um, Now the company, is it still, does it still have a presence there? No. So so what happened in 08, Lehman Brothers uh, collapsed, GFC. Everyone's probably got there own GFC stories I'm sure mm-hmm. but because we were a banking and finance company niche yeah we got hit hard by that we we weren't in yeah. Singapore in commercial industrial companies at all 
And um, yeah, I'll never forget when that happened. So we, there were six of us were in the office and we heard that Lehman Brothers was going under and we had some relationships with candidates in Lehman Brothers. So we said, look, let's just contact the best four or five quality people, good talent, who, who are all gonna be in the same boat and we'll contact some clients. And we contacted probably five or six organizations on their behalf. And they all said, we won't be taking Lehman candidates through any recruitment companies whatsoever. So we're like, okay, right. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and then within a week, they all had their own headcount freezes and they weren't hiring and they were starting to let people go. Mm. So it was a big event. So yeah. it was like we, you couldn't really send an invoice out for six months. That yeah, doesn't work because in you know, Yeah, because, yeah, because yeah. you know no one is actually hiring at all if they're doing internal freezes. Yeah. You just know for sure nothing's going to happen. Yeah, you know, for a significant period of time. For a long time, yeah. So, um, and you can't have six people, and, and you can't have your family living up there and paying rent and doing all that sort of stuff. So that that really knocked us us around. Yeah. So um, we just had to adjust. And we how old were your do. kids? You, you went with your kids, right? When you went yep. to Singapore, how yep. old were they? They were all primary school. Primary school, yeah. Yeah, at that stage. So um, my oldest is just about to finish high school, so time has flown. Oh, wow, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we, we had to come home, basically. And then when I came home to Melbourne, um, I had to let oh. probably 10 people go, um, which is probably the worst thing you'll ever do in business, but you've got to do it sometimes. Mm, yeah. Depending on what's happening. Um, and, and just had to reset. So we had to... We had a massive space uh, at 356, uh, sorry, 360 Collins. Mm-hmm. We had to sublease that, go into a smaller space. Um, yeah, it's just all changing, yeah. So, and then you've got to have a think about what you're doing as a business because the banking and finance industry is going through a massive change. So what do you do to diversify mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. So all this sort of stuff was All going. this stuff is happening. Yeah. And this is at a stage where you already felt quite burnt out uh, tied. Tied. Yeah, just tied still. Yeah. So, again, I think if you'd come back to that six months, you you, you go through it. Mm. At all. Mm. So, um, so, sorry, this is all not really very positive in terms of. No, podcast. this is. No, <laughs> no this, this is, is Positive real. psychology, what I want. No, it's real. Like, this is real business, though. Like, yeah. people, I think a yeah. lot of the time what happens is people learn about, you know, overnight success stories mm, or mm. what they say what it looks like on the surface is an overnight success story yeah. or you just see the glossy surface mm. of a successful business but yeah. the reality is not that it's not an overnight success story and yeah. there's so many hardships people go through yeah. to make a business successful yeah. and the fact that you that is still running and it's been 19 years I think is incredible yeah. And there would definitely have to be so many hard things. I'm sure there's so many positive things as well. Oh, there was, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm absolutely. sure there's yeah. so many. And it yeah. sounds like, you know, you obviously had that passion for customer service, which yeah. you, be, you were able to live out in these years, yeah. you know, being yeah. one of the owners. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about a fun, what about a, a really fun story from when you, when you owned? Oh. Let's, let's, let's make it a little, like, let's go to the fun stuff now. Oh, the fun stuff. Yeah. Gee. Um, I don't know if I can say it on here. Oh, God, no, Why no, not? I don't. 
It's completely politically incorrect. Um, I don't know if I can go there because GAW is still going. So. <laughs> okay, I've, we don't have to do the politically I've, I've, incorrect story. I, I, I've left, and so uh, yeah. But oh, we look, we had a lot of fun with our clients, um, and we had a lot of fun internally with you know with our colleagues and stuff. Um, Oh, I'm going to be politically incorrect. I'll just tell you the story. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Andrew called me afterwards and decided not to include this story, but he wanted to uh, add another one in instead. So here's a story that you're going to get. I promise it's just as entertaining. Listen in. Actually, I don't think I should uh, tell that first story. Politically incorrect. Yeah, I'll rewind on that one. Uh, there was there were quite a few things going on. It was a lot of fun, a lot of pranks, and there was one prank actually that happened on an offsite that we had early days. We're in the Hunter Valley. It was the middle of winter, so you can just imagine it's freezing cold, like going to the Yarra Valley, middle of winter. And we finish up the offsite, and there's about ten of us. Uh, we go for dinner and you know, celebrate, just unwind. We're heading home on the Saturday, and as you do, you kick on. I think I went to bed about midnight and um, a few few people kicked on longer and were you know, making the most of it. And I get this knock on the door about 2.30 in the morning. Who is this? What's going on? So I went down, opened the door. Lo and behold, it's one of the, it's one of the guys. I'm like, what are you doing anyway? He's got a towel wrapped around him. He's soaking wet, freezing cold. He's got this huge bundle of clothes. He goes, oh, you're not going to believe it. I've done it. I've just left them there. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, they're in the pool. They're in the pool. And they don't have any clothes. And he's just laughing to himself. And I'm starting to cotton on what's what's going on. So there was three of them have spotted the resort pool. Obviously no swimmers in the middle of winter. And thought... Right, let's go for a skinny dip. It's heated pool, the steam coming off it. But you have to scale a fence to get over because the gate's locked. So they scale the fence, get their kid off, all jump in the pool. And within about five minutes, this guy's jumped out, grabbed all the clothes, scaled the fence, and he's bolted about 600 metres through all the accommodation up to our room. And that's when I get the knock on the door. So he's left the other two, there's a guy and a girl, he's left them in the pool. And all, all very innocent, no funny stuff going on. So, but they would be wondering what the hell are they going to do? So anyway, 15 minutes later, there's another knock on the door and we're just waiting for it. And uh, it's the guy. And he's a fairly tall guy, pretty athletic. He would have bounced over the fence. Um, he found sheets or something on the line and taken the sheet and just wrapped it around himself and run through the resort, knocked on the door. He's fuming. He's going, where is he? I'm going to kill him. Anyway, the, the other guy, he's just hiding by this stage. Um, he knows he wasn't going to be too popular, but we just couldn't stop laughing. So anyway, that all settles down and we're thinking, right, We've got one more to go who hasn't turned up and we, we weren't sure where she was going to go. Sure enough, 10 minutes later, knock on the door. I'm thinking, geez, do I answer this or not? Like, 
what's the right thing to do? So anyway, obviously I do. I just gingerly open the door. And there she, she's also got a sheet. But she's relatively short. We're a bit worried about how she's going to scale the fence. And, um, yep, she managed to. Um, she found her way to the clothesline. Um, wasn't obvious, but when you're that desperate, you end up trying to look for everything or anything you can. And she's come back and she's fuming, absolutely fuming, um, which you can appreciate. Um, fair to say she'd sobered it up. Um, yeah, it's a funny story, it's a funny moment, good laugh. Um, and there was, you know, all sorts of stuff that went on that she had over the years like that. But, uh, yeah, good memories. So the, when we started, actually, another great time was we started when the Sydney, uh, Sydney Olympics were on, yeah. 2000. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> fantastic couple of weeks. That was uh, the best, uh, probably the best cultural experience I've been in a city. Yeah. Everyone's had this huge vibe and you'd work. You'd work in till about... In the office? Yeah, yeah. everywhere. So yeah. you're in the city, walking down the streets, and you'd work till about two, which, and then you'd go into Martin Place which is just like a mass of people just celebrating the Olympics. So I haven't seen that kind of vibe for a long time. No, oh, I don't think I've no. ever seen that vibe in the city. Yeah, yeah. So that was a great experience. Mm-hmm. But just the things we've done, uh, the usual things, Christmas parties, trips mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. Um, all, all of the above. It, yeah. was, it was great. And that's the biggest thing that I miss at the moment is the people. Is the 100%. People? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a big void. But it you know, did it for a reason. Yeah. For so, yeah. So tell us how all of that has led to what you're doing now. Uh, so I'd known for a while that recruitment... I'm, I'm a big learner. I love learning different things. So um, we led to a, another story. We made an investment when I was at GOW mm-hmm. and it was a startup, uh, which ultimately didn't work. Um, but it was that was a hell of a ride in itself, mm-hmm. and that was in the electronics manufacturing B two B market, which was completely left field for us. Um, what was it? Just so people can get, like, so, have some context so, and visualize. Um, imagine that you're at a bar, you want to charge mm-hmm. your phone, mm-hmm. and you're sitting at a table. You'd go up to the bar. You'd say, "Got like a disco." It was called disco. They'd give you a disc. Um, yeah. You take that back to your table. You plug it in. You charge your phone. And if you wanted to walk into the bistro, you just take it with you. Keep charging your phone. Keep talking. Keep getting texts. Yeah. It's charged. You can give it to a friend who's with you. They can do the same. Mm-hmm. You just be able to do two phones at once. Yeah. And then you just take it back to the bar. So it was really um, for people that didn't carry charges with them. It was giving them capability to. Keep, keep charged. Mm. So it was really topical at the yeah. time. Phones were flying, the volume of them. So and it's different to like you know the ones that you carry that are already what are they called? Yeah, yeah, um, it's different to that. Yeah, no, sorry, yeah, dif- yeah, different in the sense it was commercial grade. Yeah, okay. And they could charge five phones go away just on a single battery charge. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it was designed for high volume public yeah. places. So it, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but the oh, manufacturing so takes a lot of money mm-hmm. um, we didn't know much about it we did get some people in to help us obviously what made um, you want to go into that business then if it wasn't something that you knew much about we thought the product <coughs> in, its, in its own right was a, 
um, a problem that needed to be solved. Yeah. Yeah. And the early signs of that were really good. So we got up to 250 venues. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so it, it actually worked. It was working, mm. the concept for sure. Generating about 25 grand a month in cash flows. But once you grow, you actually need more money in manufacturing to grow again. And um, then you've got the actual normal cash flow issues mm. of winning. For like the products, money. right? Like purchase products. And then you yeah. Yeah. sell them, repeat, repeat. If you yep. get more demand, you need more money because you've got to make it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was the biggest challenge. But ultimately, that's why it didn't work, is cash at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, uh, well, cash flow. And I read um, Phil Knight's book. The, uh, she dog, yeah, Great love book. that book. Great yeah. book, and they nearly went under. The only reason they survived is because of um, an IPO. The, yeah, yeah, and also um, a friend, or I forgot which one it was, but one of the employees that has been had been there from the beginning. Yeah. Their parents like gave them like a little cash injection that kind of kept them yeah. going through yeah. as well before the IPO. Yeah, but, yeah, but cash was massive for them. Yeah, so I, I read reading that book. I mean, wow, there's a lot of parallels. I can relate to a lot of this stuff. Now, yeah. oh, I wish I'd read it six or yeah. <laughs> five years earlier. Okay, I wouldn't have gone through it. Like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but that that was. It's a good. It's I, a good lesson to learn. Like. Yeah, oh, learned, learned yeah. a lot. Unfortunately, an expensive lesson, but. Uh, yeah, are definitely decisions that I would make me check my decision making into the future. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, because um, you. You really learn about reality. Mm. Going through that process. But mm-hmm. the hard way, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, but again, I have no regrets for that. It, it, the proof of concept was right. The quality of that product is still good t- to this day. But there's just not an appetite to invest money in it, really. Mm. And it doesn't so, exist now if we um, go into bars and stuff. Like, in- 40 venues still. Oh, okay. Yeah. From that same brand? Yep. Wow. Yep, still going. But it, it's not a... We're not reinvesting in the manufacturing. So yeah. we're just servicing the customer and... Yeah, one day it'll it won't be there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of. <laughs> it's lived. It's lived. It's, it's lived its life. It's done. Uh, it, it has. Yeah. But, uh, look, others others could have made a go of it, but they would have to have deep pockets to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And really be passionate enough yeah. to pull yeah. out the cash for that. Yeah, but even passion alone's not. It's not going to get you there. You've got to. You have to be passionate enough to influence people to invest in it. Mm-hmm. That's probably where the passion comes in, mm-hmm. and um, passion enough to be very, very diligent and committed to how you're going to solve a problem, um, manufacturing, supply chain, all those sorts mm-hmm. of things. How am I going to drive the cost down? How am I going to do freight? Because if you're passionate about all that sort of stuff, you probably can make it work. Yeah. But there, are, you know, there's a lot of things to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Coming from recruitment as well is yeah. so different oh, to yeah, yeah. real products dealing yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was it was a really good experience. Yeah. It, like wasn't good in the terms of the outcome, but it was a patents, trademarks, international distribution agreements, um, dealing with manufacturers, travelled to China, went into factories, yeah. numerous factories, um, and that was an eye opener yeah, in wow. itself. What's so, it like walking in and seeing those oh, massive... They, they range, pictures. like where our plastic moulds were kept in China. I was thinking that oh, it's going to be quite a professional sort of 
place, you know, yeah. great, we're going to see our products where our plastics are yeah. made. Yeah. And it was like a dilapidated old farm shed and the concrete's got splits through it and your weeds Whoa. growing up and you're going, are we, sure, are we in the right place? Yeah. And sure enough, yeah. the gentleman walked downstairs. Your logo's there. <laughs> oh, no, well, yeah, a block of steel was over there or something. Yeah. And he was so proud of it, which is yeah. great. Yeah. So it should be. But, um, you know, when you have a different vision in mind. Yeah. In Australia. And then, um, and then we went to some really big factories because we yeah. thought, okay, if we get through this stage, we're going to get a volume-based manufacturer. And that was, that was interesting. Um, but China, in that part of China, which was just above Shenzhen, near the border, mm. uh, how do you explain this? Picture um, going along a street like, not Chapel Street, but something smaller than Chapel Street. And it's mm. all shops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they would have streets which are all like mechanics or mechanic shop fronts making plastic. Well, it was like just you drive along. There's, they're all just doing toys and molds for different torches and all kinds of stuff. Wow, um, it's like a whole district. Whole district of, on of that. making plastic. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that's yeah. You, you, you hear about China as a manufacturer, but when you go and see it, it's um, yeah. You usually sort of get the enormity of it. But yeah. that, so that was great, great experience. Um, yeah, and the, but look, it was fun, but I would have loved a different outcome. Yeah, um, of course. Really yeah. learned to respect what, what's next, though. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And so now that you've invested in something like that, mm-hmm. have you ever thought to look again at reinvesting in a, in a different product yep. or a different startup? Or I would. Yep. Yeah. But it's um, it would be carefully considered. Yeah. yeah. So, and you, your why is really important to not not so much from an investor, but whoever is driving it. The why yeah. Is uh, yeah. 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 So you got to believe in that. But um, uh, yeah, it, it hasn't dissuaded me from being That's completely good. risk averse. Not at all. Yeah. Just learnt lessons from it, really. Yeah. Mm. That's really nice but, to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's. it's I love business. It's one of the things I love. It's a challenge. It's like putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. Mm. You're just trying to, how does this problem come together? How can we make it work? Yeah. Um, so that sort of, that energizes me for sure. Yeah. yeah. So. And so then, okay, so then you've, you've done um, GOW for 19 years. Yep. You had that experience with mm-hmm. the startup. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're in a position that's more about coaching and leadership career development. Is that right? Yeah. So I took um, about five months off, tried to figure out what I was well, going to do with my Well, well deserved break, <laughs> I have to say, yeah, after the, that long. The brain was ticking over, I have to say. Um, I, I just never stopped thinking too much. Mm. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, even after that. And I knew it was helping people of mm. some way, shape, or form. So... Um, I put a, for want of a better word, a sign up, a basic web portal to do some consulting, um, just, just around getting, allowing people to have a different perspective when they get tied up in their own business, you, you can, you get caught up in it and you, mm-hmm. you don't really think too broadly, um, or what the implications might be. And it was really to have a different perspective on that for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but what uh, that's hard work, 
in terms of developing that business because a lot of people out there trying to do it. But the biggest thing for me was um, I was a good process because I realised I need to be around other people yeah. to to do something. So uh, yeah, because you're more energised being yeah. surrounded by others. Yeah, yeah, people just give me energy and yeah, um, they give you that social feedback um, and and. Uh, so Maslow's hierarchy of mm. needs is, you know, fits in there. I, yeah. That's very true for me anyway. Yeah. Some people are really good at it, um, but I'm, I'm not. Yeah. So I love collaborating. And I love thinking about ideas and hearing what other people are going to say and um, solving the problem with someone rather than... Uh, Sitting there rather alone than, and doing it. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. yeah. So, so I'm glad I sort of went through that process because it reconfirmed that. For yeah. sure. And uh, so I recently joined uh, an organisational development company mm-hmm. who'd been going for 16 years and they had helped us originally at GOW. Um, so we got talking and um, they needed some help around a particular value stream that they have because um, uh, they've been busy, they've got all sorts of different things they do. And I went, yeah, cool. So I get to go and you know, work with people. Um, I've only been there a week, so it's, oh, yeah, it's not very long. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. 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 But straight away, I got the, the signal that that's this is definitely a better place. Yeah. Um, How did you and, discover that? I know you mentioned you knew you wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. Um But then how did you discover that it was in that capacity specifically? Had you... Uh, experienced it in what you were doing over the four months or was it... Um, you were exposed to it in the events that you were going to or something that you experienced personally with someone else? Um, what led you to, to that space? I So coming from being a leader mm. and in some different respects, some days it was just as a manager rather than a leader, uh, I was fascinated about what effect that can have, mm. how you're going to take someone who's you know, come to join you, get from A to B. Um, what, where there's the development side and then there's the caring side of it. Mm, so yeah. all both of those things come together for me. And uh, so the development, just the general development of it, yeah, that was important. And, you know, sometimes I think I probably should have done psychology because I'm always thinking about, you know, how, why are people really good in one business or one job that they do or or as a leader why they're really good as a leader mm. um and others are mm. and i'm quite fascinated by it by that so yeah. that's what they've been there yeah so on the topic of leadership then mm. now and given your experience mm-hmm. over the last 23 years or something mm-hmm. um especially i liked how you spoke about the difference between being just a manager mm-hmm. versus a leader yeah can you talk about what you think the differences are and how you think leadership has changed from 20 years ago to yeah. what, it, what it is today, what it needs to be today? Yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, managing, well, managing is um, it's your starting point for leadership, but it, it's a bit more directive, um, delivery orientated mm. with a with some output um, and, and outcomes um, mm. as well 
Um, and you, you really, that's where you're starting to learn about how do I think about the people I'm responsible for? How do I communicate with them? Um, it's your training, training wheels, so to speak. Mm. Whereas leadership is the vision, the visionary. Um, it's getting everyone on the bus. It's, it's um, potentially ensuring that you're choosing the right people to go into management. You're much more conscious of the, man, of the people side mm. of the decisions you make. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's obviously strategic as well. Yeah. yeah. So what's 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 the road we're going to follow? Yeah. So. And how do you think someone goes from the managerial side and just getting the foundations right yeah. to being able to get a whole group of people to follow their vision? Uh, and it can be like just based mm, off your personal experience. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. I. Mm. It's hard, but I think it's really developing at the manager level first mm-hmm. and but doing it properly so developing your self-awareness mm-hmm. using that adjusting um, and oh, for want of a better word actually changing so mm-hmm. that some people don't need to change it naturally gifted but people who go into management roles who don't change and who need to change they're going to struggle mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be really hard to move forward mm-hmm. but the ones who get it and go I'm aware of who I am and what I, you know, what I have to deliver to the people I'm responsible for, how I have to serve them, etc., and bring them up. Um, they're going to fall into line much quicker with the leader, so they'll end up getting more out of the leader. Yeah, they'll learn more from the leader as they, as they look upwards. And I'll go right. My next step then is you know, potentially becoming more visionary. Like let's let's get involved in discussions about strategy. Yeah. Rather than managers who go, I'm not really interested in strategy. I just want to get my paycheck and, and leave. Go, go home. Yeah. Which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Because um, everyone's different, but they won't necessarily become a leader. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of people talk about self awareness and how it's really important. Mm-hmm. Just in everyday life, it's so important to be self aware of who you are, what you like, what you don't like, yeah. um, being aware of like your blind spots, all that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. For someone who is not self aware, uh, where do they start to begin identifying um, more traits and, and more things about themselves? Yeah, I, I think you've got to be open to thinking about it, number mm. one. Mm. If, you, if you're just closed-minded and not open to it, it's I, I found that really hard at GW mm. with some people. Mm. They just weren't interested, which is okay, but it's not necessarily going to work. Mm. Um, so if, if you're open to it, you're going to learn. Yeah. Oh, well, that's how you. It's how you're gonna learn. So, that's number one. Number two, um, taking that to the next step. Up. Just being vulnerable to that conversation. Yeah. So I'm gonna just let myself go. Yeah. And right, just hit me with it. What <laughs> What yeah. are we gonna talk about? Yeah. Um, and that's not critical conversation. It's just a conversation. And mm. equally, just turning it back on them and saying, "Look, what do you think of it?" Mm, yeah. So that's that's sort of an everyday way of doing it. And then there's, I, I'm a big believer in EQ personally. Mm. Yeah, me um, too. So sure. I think it's really important to to move forward. So next step would be really embracing feedback. Three hundred and sixty, radio. I'm all in. Let's go. Mm. Um, uh, I'm, I'm committed to do the work. Mm. So being open-minded and also listening to what others have to say based on what they've yep. experienced with you. Yeah. And but, being open to change. But really taking on board. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Being genuine about it. 
Yeah. And thinking back to just your time to date, what would you say has been a really, really proud moment for you? In life and in yeah. business, or G- both. GOW is definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, um, we had a great time. We had a vision, and we definitely were ticking the boxes for that vision. Um, be it GFC through a spanner networks to a degree. Um, we were successful in uh, what we were doing. Um, a great relationship to people which is really probably the most important we had valuable relationships mm. so just socially and also professionally so yeah. that was great um proud of my daughters yeah, yeah see like that's really three daughters or? three daughters yeah. So, yeah so my eldest just finishing bce yeah um, house full of ladies house full of ladies yeah, yeah. even the dogs are ladies so i'm like <laughs> right i need to get out of the house every now and then um <laughs> Uh, so, just seeing them grow up, it's actually really interesting. I was watching, um, is it Greta Thunberg? Who's the, who's I feel like I should, I feel like very uneducated. I feel like I should know this. Climate change. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, of course, she's been everywhere. Yeah, I was watching that last night in the news and I was thinking, wow, because I've got a 16 year old daughter, I'm thinking, wow. It's just really interesting to see what it's like now. And reflect back when I was 16, it took worlds apart. What some of these um, kids are doing, or teenagers, is amazing. I'm just like, it's incredible, going, isn't it? <laughs> going wow. So, and. And to give them a voice as well, because yeah. I, I feel like there's been a change um, where there's, it's, there's no focus on uh, a level of, you know, senior, seniority. Yeah. And there's no ageism anymore, as I felt like there would yeah. have been in the past, yeah. where we're only yeah. going to respect what you say once you've had experience in yeah. life versus, yeah. you know, someone young getting up and basically yeah. telling it how it is. Yeah. But I, I think that's reflective um, in the workplace, though, too. Mm. That's probably the biggest change I've seen. So when I started recruitment, it was at 97, uh, it was fairly traditional, command and control. You know, your career was... Linear, going (laughs) going one direction. Yeah, it's so different now. Yeah, Um, and I'm seeing it more and more how culture um, really focusing on people, the person that's in front of you, um, not just a collective of people, and yeah, Mm. just get it knocked out by Friday, and I'll see you Monday. Yeah, Um, it's yeah, it's becoming much more personal now for sure and um, it's important to people and I think mm. you know what, was, what you saw at the UN was part of that actually yeah part of yeah. that movement yeah it's part of a movement yeah. yeah for sure and I think it's going to change the way how you lead yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. S- speaking about um, workplace cultures and, and, ch- and the change that we're seeing how given your time in recruitment mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on how you hire for culture what do you look for how do, you, how do you do it? What do you think is the best approach to get the right person from a culture perspective? Uh, I think it's, it's really hard. Like recruiters are notoriously bad at hiring people, ironically. Um, <laughs> it's I think their they, job. Yeah, no, I think they just go, oh, we'll do it off gut feel. We know, what, we yeah. know what it's like. Yeah. So I, how would I answer that question? So culture's a relatively opaque subject. You've got mm-hmm. people like, a company like Culture Amp is spending millions of dollars yeah. 
um, trying to help companies, which is great. Mm. Uh, I love what they're doing. But I think even in, you go and ask them in two years' time, you talk about culture with us, they'll still be sort of going around and around going, well, this is what we've learned in the last couple yeah. of years, but you won't be able to pin it down. Yeah. So to answer your question, it's hard. Yeah. So yeah. you've got to uh, have potential, potential to like listen, learn, um, person has to be respectful that's a big one of mm-hmm. everyone they're going to walk into the office of so that comes back to the no egos side mm-hmm. of things um, and they've got to be you know, energetic a bit of fun humour um, because you, know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow so just yeah. have fun today yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. yeah. so that, that would probably wrap it up in a nutshell but yeah. where culture gets hard in, in performance orientated places is that it, you can have all those qualities, but if someone's not performing, it actually then affects the culture if the leader doesn't make a decision about it in some way, shape or form. Performing as in not meeting the could be targets, could be role. just delivery, whatever it might be. Yeah, quality of work. Because um, it's affecting everyone around yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's where leadership gets hard. You, you're, you're managing multiple aspects. Yeah. Um, and if you don't manage one of those aspects it's going to affect another one. Yeah. But if you don't work on development of a person and only look after your top-performing staff, it's going to affect another aspect. So it's complicated. But mm. you've just got to be across all the bases. Yeah. 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 And how would you... Um, not convinced, but if, if you find a company that's not focused uh, on workplace culture and doesn't put all of their efforts into mm. developing it... Yep. And culture, like you said, it's there's so much that goes into culture yep. it's leadership it's the individual people yep. Yep. Um, it's how they show up it's how they behave yep. so what are some examples of what you've seen that's worked really well yeah. um, and also how would you go about um, proving that to someone who may not really believe in that investment uh, I think the big thing is why are we doing it why is a company doing what we do, is that really illustrated clearly and passionately? Like we're, this, is, this is what we're here to do and we're going to do everything we can to deliver on that. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's genuine, it's authentic, yeah. then that's, that's really important in, in the scheme of things to do with that question. So um, that's coming from your leadership. That starts at the top. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... And then from there, it gets everyone involved, respects the people that are involved, because we're all going to be different. But it just tries to get the collective moving in the right direction um, with that as a theme. So it starts there. Um, So personally, for me, if I wasn't convinced that there's a really strong driver there and I was to walk into a business to join that business, I wouldn't join that business. If it was just too transactional and... Look, we're growing. We just need someone to look after that division, and mm. um, yeah, we're really stretched. But and I, I was getting the wrong signals. Yeah, you know, that what? vibe where it's just like very okay. transactional. Yeah, so I'm getting too old for that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm, come on, give me I more. I must be give an old more. soul because I feel like I'm already there. Yeah, I'm just no, already yeah, there. I'm ready to go. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. 
Um, so what are then some of the little things that you've implemented, um, be it in your work or in your life, that have led to positive changes? Uh, probably don't be too overcritical of myself. Mm. Yeah, the self-talk. Self-talk, that's on. come up a lot, actually. Yeah, like self-awareness is great, but just don't just give yourself a break every now and then, I think, yeah. is important. That's one thing that I've reflected on. Is this um, a recent epiphany? Um, probably is, actually. Yeah. yeah. This year. Because this year was quite... It was a big year of vulnerability. Like, yeah. I could have stayed and been safe and, yeah. you know... But, but if you're not... If you've lost that engagement, which is a really hard thing to describe... No, I get don't, it. Don't do it. Just yeah. go. Yeah. You and, would definitely know uh, that. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Um, I'm really... Cute. So that... The self-talk and, like, mm-hmm. overthinking stuff... Mm-hmm. How do you... What are the strategies to actually overcome that? Like, what do you do to just, you know, take a break or, you know, yeah. what do you do? For me, it's people. Yeah. To overcome it. Yeah. Working with people. Okay. Is big. Yep, okay. Because so then go, you're not in your own stuff. Yeah, it goes away. Well. You start really having great conversations and you start solving problems together. You're actually focusing on the right stuff. Yeah. You're not caught up in... In your own head. In my own head, yeah, yeah. for sure. So, well, that's a good one. For, yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's, and that's why I made the move I did recently. Yeah, and, that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, is there anything? Put, yeah, probably get out of your own head and, and be with people. Yeah. So I answer that. Yeah. Um, and so I interrupted you, was that the only one? I'm sure there's more in there. Uh, the med- I'll come back to the meditation piece because that's been really good in the last, probably been doing it for a month. Yeah. Um, that just actually helps you with the self-talk part. <laughs> Clears that's your head. That's true, yeah. Um, uh, always be curious. I think curiosity can really take you to some great places, but you've yeah. just got to keep your eye open. Yeah. And, and use the ground, yeah, for sure. I love that one because then you get to experience... Being curious allows you to actually experience new things that you yeah. may have thought you wouldn't be interested in until you actually go and do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this year's all about being curious for me. Yeah. So I was curious before I left, yeah. but you were restricted because you're responsible for people and the company and you had boundaries that were really hard to probably move beyond. Mm-hmm. So this year has been all about that. Um, and just following the trail, really, and listening to and reading what people are doing and what's like what's going on in the world. Get out of the bubble. Yeah, get out um, the bubble. You've lived yeah. in for a while. And, uh, yeah, it's always the other one. Because um, I know you love learning, mm-hmm. reading, listening mm-hmm. to content. Mm-hmm. What are some? You mentioned Shoe Dog. Mm-hmm. What are some other books or podcasts or YouTube clips that have you've seen, watched? Yeah. That have yeah. really stuck with you that you'd recommend. Uh, there's two books. Particularly, the yep. messy middle. Okay. By Scott Belsky, it's fantastic. Messy middle, I haven't read it. What's so he, it about? He set up a company in design mm-hmm. called Behance, and he sold it to a dope. And oh, okay. Um, it's his story about what he went through. Okay. But he, each chapter is about different challenges and how you process the challenge and what it means to you and what's it mean for the business and what's it mean for the people you're working with. Um, it's yeah again I was reading that going yeah 
it, it's very it can deep. get very messy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's yeah. great. Like it's something innate that you love, but at the same time you're going, oh, how do I deal with this? Yes. <laughs> so um, okay. great book. Yeah. Actually, if okay. you're going into business, I would highly recommend. Okay, it. I think that's going to be on my list. Or, or even if you're um, if you've been in business, if you're a startup mm. and you're hitting that eighteen month, two year mark, mm. great book. Okay. Yeah, and you're growing. Yeah. Um, another good one is the founder's mentality. Okay. Yep. And I actually reflect on GOW a lot with this one uh, over the years since I've read it. So when, when you start a business, you really, that's what you, you describe as the insurgent. Mm-hmm. You're going to disrupt the market. Mm. Even if it's not technology, you just could be a new entrant mm. to a market. And you're going to behave that way. You're going to test the boundaries. You're going to bring fantastic value. You're going to do whatever you can to make that work. Mm-hmm. But then you become, over time, an incumbent. You're the norm. So you stop uh, becoming insurgent. So then in turn, you stop your behaviours that mm. got you to where you get to. Really, re- you reflect on how you change. And yeah. you do change, definitely. Kind of yeah. reminds me of Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, if I think about how they sure. came in, they were... Yeah incredibly innovative mm. and then over time like you see every year the updates aren't as no. exciting as they used to be no no they're, and they're living off design principle now scale obviously um broadening the services into scale it's not as exciting mm-hmm. for sure mm. in, in my view and i think a lot of people that follow that story yeah the same. yeah but it's gonna it's just part of business it's gonna happen unless you can keep really reinventing yourself. And that that book gives you tips on doing that? Uh, Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It's more a mindset. Mindset. Ah, okay. um, I think the best one I've seen is probably Amazon. Okay. So Amazon disrupted the book market. Yeah. And then um, Jeff Bezos pivoted and went, well, if I can do it for books... I can do it for other products. So he started selling other products. Yeah. And then he um, basically said, well, I can help other people sell products. So he did that. So he kept reinventing or pivoting using his strengths. Yeah. And then he got really good at logistics. So then that came into play. And then because it's all online and there's cloud computing, there's Amazon Web Services. So that's now their biggest product line. And again, he's just reinvented it. So if they keep doing that, that's why they're still flying. That's why they're still Whereas yeah. I think Apple's probably possibly run out of pivots in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah, they can do streaming and other things, but oh, they've got enough money. They'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be so fine. They'll be fine. Yeah. Um, okay, and my favourite question is, who are your heroes and why? And, right. these, and heroes don't need to be people that are famous. They can be everyday people. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyone. Uh, I'd say my dad. Definitely a big oh, one. Yeah. Um, and why? Mm, he was just uh, really, he's very authentic. He just had a great work ethic, was all about the customer, um, was well respected, and you could just see it. Mm. I guess you just feel it. So always uh, he sits top of the mantle there. Yeah. Um, and my mum too, obviously. Yeah. But more in the context from a business point of view, I think. Yeah. Um, I love people that just 
own stuff. Like they wear it on their sleeve, like Claude Silver. Mm. Who's like that? Who's Claude Silver? She for works for Gary V. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So okay, I need to Google her now. Chief Heart Officer. Oh, okay. And yeah. it's in in the context of how we sort of understand it's HR. So it's oh, okay. But her title's Chief Heart Officer. So for them, it's all about really bringing it to people in terms of respect, listening, love, all those mm. sorts of things. Um, but she wears it on a sleeve. Mm. And I was back and go, well, there's not many people that would wear it on their sleeve like that. Yeah. Which you know, I really admire. Yeah. And actually, I hats off to Gary V for <clears throat> that wouldn't happen without him supporting yeah. it. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, right. um, yeah, so she'd be up there um, in that context. And then I love photography. So there's a, there's a famous photographer, uh, Henry Cartier-Bresson, who's a hero. Yeah. I look up to him. He's like World War II, so he's wow, World okay. War II and beyond older photographer. When did you get into photography? Mm, probably 10 years ago. And, you can, and you're continuing? I haven't recently, but yes, I, I will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So travel, street photography. Yeah. Taking photos out here in the mornings around yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. Um, uh, did uh, travel to China and took some photos. They yeah. took the opportunity when I went up to China. Um, yeah, photography is a release. It's massive. Mm. Release. It's like that creative flair in you from dealing with all the business stuff. It's like a creative outlet. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of emotion in photography. Mm. Yeah, you. So I haven't touched a camera for a couple of years because my head and heart haven't been in it. Mm. And you have to have that in it if you can do it well. Yeah. Um, you won't, in my view, you're not going to produce great photos unless you're really attached to it. Mm. So, um, and he I was... I like the way that you've described that because it's like art. Yeah. If you want to, yeah, yeah, if you want to create something, you really, your soul has to go in it. Your piece, a piece of your heart has to be in what yeah, you create. Yeah. You've yeah. got to be feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, it's a challenge too. Street photography is a challenge. Mm. Um, like challenge in terms of how can you make a scene interesting? Like, mm. what, what is it? It's not just someone walking down the street or... It's really... So you're looking all the time. It's yeah. a really great exercise in observing the world. Yeah. Um, I really annoyed my wife when we went overseas. I'm sure I did because uh, <laughs> we, we went to Europe and New York about five years ago. And I took my camera and I... Yeah. You don't really get to those places every day, so yeah, of course. You know, I'm going to take the opportunity. Yeah, just do I'm it. just looking at all kinds of stuff going on around me, and taking photos. of My wife, goes, why are you taking a photo of that for? <laughs> oh God, no. Why are we taking? Why are we stopping here? Yeah, why are we stopping here? <laughs> yeah. um, but by the end of that trip, she probably got used to it. Yeah. She got used to it, yeah. Um, but it's just a really personal thing too. Yeah, photography. So that's why I like it as well because you can just, all right. This is me, me time, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm. Any other yeah. heroes or that's your last one? Uh, that'd be the main ones, I think. Um, there's a lot of people I admire what they're doing. I really, really like what they're doing. Mm. Jeremy Dean. Oh, yes, I've heard of him. National Culture Deck. Yeah. Um, he's really made that a, a cause close to his heart about what people experience. Yeah. It'd be internal um, culture, emotion, whether it be customer... Um, whatever it might be. Um, 
simple concept, but just really... Do you want to speak about, about it for a little bit, just for context for people who don't know what yeah. it is? Yeah, so Jeremy has got a business called Riders and Elephants, mm-hmm. and there's a story behind that as well. But um, his first product was the Emotional Culture Deck, and it's a really simple tool. It's a deck of cards, but you format them in a certain way, which allows people to express how they want people to feel or how they want to feel. And so it's a really addressing a topic which is pretty hard to normally open up, mm. and that's emotions. Especially in, the, in a business yeah. context, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so he's really facilitating that in, in a very simple way, yeah. and it works a trick because people actually do want to talk about it. Yeah. It's important to them. Yeah. It's like um, Brene Brown said, you, yeah. you, you can't numb emotion basically you just it's going to be it's there, it's there. whether you like it or not yeah so um and it's some people think oh that's a bit fluffy and you know, why would we do that but the way people become engaged in it and then the way you can take it to really practical means inside your company um works Mm. you got to be committed to it yeah like you can easily like a lot of these things you let them drop off and yeah oh, i forgot about that but but um, if you're committed to it, it, it can definitely work. Mm. So, and feelings drive how people behave in the workplace. So yeah. if mm. people are behaving in a certain way, it's because of how they're feeling. Mm. And so if you want sure. if you mm. want people to, you know, come into work with a positive attitude, then mm. they need to be feeling happy. Mm. So how yeah. are you going to make people feel happy when they come in? Yeah. And it could be as simple as changing your attitude in the morning, for example, and yeah. actually saying good morning to everyone when you yeah. walk in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've actually yeah. tried it out. I think it's pretty good as well. Yeah, that's cool. So we, mm. I've done it once with a with a group mm. um, internally, and then um, I like what Mark Labusco is doing. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, what's he doing? Mark's Melbourne based, mm-hmm. and he is very provocative about treating humans well, basically in the workplace. Yeah, and being a human manager. So. What's his background? He, he has Aussie Post and I think a few other sort of larger companies. Yeah, okay. Um, senior roles. So um, he, he just got over watching the norm um, become... Business culture. Command and control. I don't really care about people. Just getting the results. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the list could, could go on forever. And so he's really made that his purpose to say, hang on, let's stop this crap. Let's... Let's really make this conscious, uh, a conscious item on the agenda that we need to address, um, which is great. It's, and, and I think that ties in with what I've observed, we talked about earlier, mm. that people uh, are becoming much more purposeful and so forth now. Definitely. 20 years ago. Yeah. So, and people are so much more conscious of it that they want it yeah. rather yeah. than thinking it's something fluffy. It's yeah. people are in search of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, and so those are the two examples. But don't get me wrong, I, I really respect the process of business though too. Mm. You, you, they're super important in an ideal world. You really focus on those, um, but you also get some outcomes which are great for customers and so forth. So again, it's yeah. the puzzle comes together. It's like bringing it all together. together. Yeah. Yeah. But if you if you're getting outcomes and or outputs and not focusing on that, it's not going to last very long. Mm-hmm. It's like it's adding value to no one, yeah. in my view. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's about finding the right balance between the two. Yeah, because you you go home every day and you you want to feel good when you go home. Mm-hmm. You don't want to feel like you don't want to feel a void. Mm-hmm. You want to feel nothing. Mm-hmm. You don't want to feel like you've been an asshole mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's it's really just getting that balance right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. Thank you so much for sharing everything today. It was really good. Yeah. Cheers and good luck Thank with you. Brandy Box. Thanks so much. Yeah, you, you've uh, good on you for taking it on too. It's Thank um, you. hopefully you've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, I have learned so much, and I, yeah. and this is why I love having these conversations because I get to learn yeah. from all these people who have done amazing things. Yeah, um, who share their lessons with us. So, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, cool. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of Behind the Bee Box. My journey with Brainy Box has inspired me to share what I've learned from others with you in the hope it makes a positive difference to your life, business or workplace. Your feedback and love is what keeps me going. So please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Brainy Box or connect with me on LinkedIn at Sherry Amami. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Have a wonderful week and I'll speak to you soon.